I want to take you back to last year. Oh, and before I do that, let me tell you that when you're on the website, you will find Mooney's Box of Docs. And what we've done is we've loaded three festive documentaries in that subsection of our website so you can podcast them when you're out for your Christmas walks. And they're wonderful. And one of them is about the holly and the ivy. And after we broadcast the programme last year, I was contacted by traditional musician Cormac Brannock, who had a story to tell me about the recording he made of the holly and the ivy, which I used in the documentary. The holly and the ivy, when they are both full grown, of all the trees that are in the wood, the holly bears the Now, the female voice that you hear performing that particular rendition of The Holly and the Ivy, and isn't it just sublime, is American actress Vanessa Williams. But the man playing the whistle on the track is traditional Irish musician Cormac Brannock. And it was he who contacted me after we broadcast that documentary last Christmas to tell me about their association. And he's here again to tell you. So, Cormac, you're very welcome to the programme. You join us from your home in County Wicklow. So tell us the story. Well, Derek, uh, it was Martin Dunley who heard you playing The Holly and the Ivy, recorded by Vanessa Williams in 2004, uh, on which... Martin and I guessed it and and I really wanted to just give you the background to the what we think is an interesting story that connects our Ireland and Vanessa Williams mm-hmm. um, so it really goes back to 2001 three weeks after 9-11 uh, we were supposed to tour the east coast and the west coast some gigs had been organised by our agent at the time um, Sandy Berniger and uh, we decided to go over in any event and play and one of our stops was in Fordham University in New York, the Bronx, on a program called 100,000 Welcomes. We played a track from our album Music for Whistling Guitar, The Foggy Jew. We, we played it in honour of the firemen of New York who had lost their colleagues and who were doing the great job there. And at that time, believe it or not, Vanessa Williams, uh, the U.S. Um, artist, uh, singer, actor, actress, etc., was driving her children to ballet, and she was having a fight with them in the car. The, the children wanted to play another radio station, and Vanessa listens to that program on a Saturday morning, and she, Vanessa won the battle, and then she heard us at that time playing that tune and dedicating it to the firemen. Well, she tracked us down, and when I arrived back, in Wicklow. I got a cheque from her for 10 copies of her albums and I didn't know who she was, to be quite honest. (laughs) Uh, When I asked my nephew, uh, did he know of a Vanessa Williams, uh, he looked at me uh, incredulously and filled me in. And so that started really uh, our uh, connection with Vanessa Williams. But when did you all get together? It was three years later, actually, 2007, and again, Martin was contacted by um, the wonderful uh, music producer, arranger, uh, Rob Mathes, M-A-T-H-E-S, and he told us that Vanessa Williams wanted us to play on two tracks on her Christmas album, Silent Night and The Holly and the Ivy, and we were thrilled, of course, and would we come over to uh, London? Yes, we would. Would we record in Abbey Road Studios? Yes, we would love to record in Abbey Road Studios. So we went over and we recorded both of those songs and we met her for the first time. And I have to say that she's an absolute lady, uh, very 
pleasant to work with, uh, as was Rob. And following on from that recording, Derek, we got invited then to play in um, Broadway in December 2004, a couple of months later, uh, in the Palace Theatre. Uh, I think we had five nights in the Palace Theatre. And then she asked us to stay on for a TV show called Live by Request, um, devised by Tony Bennett, I think, in the 50s or 60s. Well, good for you, Cormac. And it's the best version of the Holly and the Ivy I've ever heard. And I know that, Amy, you like it too, don't you? Oh yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I love that. I love that tune, and I love the the, the words about the holly and the ivy. But the the pipe at the beginning is lovely. Playing that is puts a lovely emphasis on it, and you get the whole atmosphere building up, and then the voice comes in. So it's great. I guess you know on Quillinogus and I know on the holly and the ivy, they're the real plants for Christmas time to go way back to pre-Christian times, because they were the only mm. ones that were actually alive in the middle of the winter. Everything else, all our deciduous trees had lost their leaves; they looked dead. But because the the quillin and the Ainon have their leaves. On them, the life was still in those. The sun god was going to come back. It predates all of this Christianity business, and it really tells us that the year hasn't gone, the light hasn't gone. You know, baby, Loella on, and this is what what we're looking at there. So the whole thing is commemorated, lovely in that recording, and I enjoyed listening to it, and I will be enjoying listening to it again when you play it again. Well, Gormila Magda Heina is just a chlistal, and I love listening to your voice and Richard and Derek. And I must say that I love your program. I think it's a fantastic program, and I hope RT will continue with the program for many years to come. Cormac, and why that's it on Nador? It's problem another. I mean, I, I, I love nature. Um, I moved to Wicklow, um, County Wicklow, um, particularly, uh, specifically, I should say, up to Lar around that area in, in 1998. And I'm still living in County Wicklow. It's Nacluckalea and Greystones now. One of my pet hates, I suppose, is to see the the amount of animals that are killed unnecessarily, completely unnecessarily on the road by cars. I'm specifically, I'm talking about deer and foxes and badgers and cats and dogs. And I just, <laughs> maybe it's, it's due to lack of technology. I don't understand it, but I just don't understand why uh, the slaughter of our animals continues on our roads in, in this day and age. I mean, I know there is a... Um, deer whistle that has been in operation for a while and it's more particularly in the States. Uh, it's a small little device that you attach to the front of the car and it sends out a, a signal to the deer to not to cross the roads. And I believe that if you have pets, dogs or cats in your car that they won't hear it. So they're not in danger of it. But it's the other animals that um, seem to be left out of the loop. And I'm just wondering, do you guys have any um, information on that? Yeah, certainly a lot of animals are killed on the road. And I mean, we have a great reduction in biodiversity. We've got very many fewer animals than we had in the 1970s. So therefore, you would think we would have very many fewer casualties. But of course, the thing is, people are driving much faster in their cars. They're not paying any attention to what's on the road. So you can't really blame the animals. The animals are doing what they always did. It's very much Sheila Fain that the luck that the blame is is on the people driving their cars far too fast. Well, the animals aren't being blamed here, Aina. I don't think that's what Cormac means. But if a deer jumps out in front of you and you're driving along within the speed limit, what can you do? 
I understand that and it's an awful danger in fact and this is one of the reasons why on other fora and other places one talks about having culls of deer because the numbers mm. have got unmanageable and certainly it is dreadful and I've actually barely escaped myself at one point down in Wicklow. The thing jumped out after I'd gone past and the car behind me ran into it and it was a terrible accident. But I understand that you have no warning and there it is. But I mean if you're doing 60 miles an hour and you hit something and you're doing 30 miles an hour and you hit something the impact is less and if you're coming slow you have more chance of seeing things you have more chance of stopping and if it's pitch dark and you're driving in a country area where these things are liable to come out you have to take responsibility and not be tearing along at a mile a minute no. I mean I see foxes myself on the roads I see badgers and indeed when sometimes I nearly have an accident myself hanging out the window to see what is the remains that squashed yeah. as I go past because there's all sorts of things killed on the roads motorways aren't so bad because the walls keep them out but rural roads that Really, people shouldn't be going that fast on a littered with dead bodies too. So, But, I mean, leaving the, the speed aside, if maybe if we had a law, for example, I mean, I'm thinking of Humanity Dick, you know, uh, the wonderful Humanity Dick, Richard Martin, MP for uh, the eccentric member for Galway, written by a guy called Peter Phillips, an English guy who came over to Ireland on holidays many years ago and he heard about Humanity Dick and couldn't find any books written about him. I know there are a number of books now and and decided to write a book himself about uh, Humanity Dick. And I, I mean, if Humanity Dick were alive today, I think he would be quite disgusted. Who was Humanity Dick? Well, Humanity Dick, I mean, Aina perhaps may know more about him than I do, but, I mean, from the book that I read... Um, yes, I do, he, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a fascinating individual. I mean, he was an animal lover. He owned many thousands of acres in Connemara. He was a smuggler also. He, he, was, was, a crack, he was a crack jewellist and killed killed people duelling. Duelling was was on he the was, rage yeah, in those I, days. I, and then he got right. sorry. He was called Humanity Dick. He was Humanity Martin and he was Crack Shot Dick. <laughs> and then eventually he got called Humanity Dick because he put in place legislation for the, the removal of cattle apparently. That was where it was the way that mm. cattle were moved from, you know, Correct. one country to another and the terrible conditions in which they, they would travel that he got legislation put through the Parliament in Britain. But he voted for the Act of Union. He was bribed in that direction. He came from Galway and he didn't yeah. get nominated. Then he became, he bought the seat in Leitrim. I mean, things were wonderful in the late 1700s, how you could manage to live. Politicians, you know, had a different way of going on in those days. But certainly his 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 um, love for wildlife and that was certainly something that got him the name Humanity Dick. His wife fancied Wolf Tone. Oh no, I tell a lie, right. I tell a lie. Wolf Tone fancied his wife. But <laughs> she didn't right. fancy him. She ran away with somebody else. <laughs> and when he came back from... Well, neither of them are around. <laughs> no, 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 no. But Annie Wolf Tone didn't, didn't run away with her. She ran away with a different fella. When he came back from being away someplace, there she was, gone. But anyhow, he was a very interesting figure altogether indeed. But anyway, you're speaking about from a point of view of his relationships with how worried he was about the unkindness to animals and certainly that's why he got the name Humanity Dick, you're quite right. That's right and and I mean he didn't, when he, when he found people mistreating animals uh, according to the book again um, and maybe folklore, he imprisoned them on an island of his and he made them beg for forgiveness. I mean, he did not feed them. He did not give them any water. And when they begged forgiveness, he made sure that they gave a note 
uh, that they would not mistreat animals again. And when he and and there were other English, and we, we have, mustn't forget the other English. Um, MPs, he wasn't English. He was Irish. Now, will you stop that? He was just, Irish. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. I mean, just because yeah. he was in, par- in Parliament in Westminster doesn't make him an Englishman. That's right. Don't yeah. Give out to our guests, Jane. I don't know. No, no, no. But he wasn't English. <laughs> but it does sound a tad draconian to be imprisoned. How was she know me? And yeah, yeah. Taking away their liberty and not feeding them. Was humanity dick a vegetarian? Did he eat steaks? <laughs> Is it well, recorded? Sorry, did you say he was a vegetarian? No, no, I'm asking you. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I no, don't well, know. I don't know either. That wasn't in yeah, the book I read yeah. either, indeed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would make a fascinating, fascinating uh, movie. And I mean, no doubt he's a, a complex individual um, uh, and he had his dark side and his good side. Certainly his good side, from an animal point of view, uh, shone brightly. Cormac, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch and reminding me of that wonderful version of the Holly and the Ivy and telling us all about humanity, Dick. Good evening, Cormac. Cormac. to you all and to everyone in RT. The Holly bears a bark as bitter as any gall and merry boy, sweet Jesus Christ, for to redeem us all. Rising of the sun and the running of the deer, the playing of the merry organ and singing in the choir. And we sing quite emotional listening to that thank you very much indeed Cormac Brannock and the Holly and the Ivy documentary can be heard again if you wish to podcast it it really is a terrific listen by just visiting our website rte.ie forward slash Mooney and clicking on the box of docs Mooney's box of docs and 